The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by Jake Carlson here, at least for the OSU recaps of the week, which are usually better and usually more joyful sounding. At least they have been for six weeks this season, um, but now, of course, three weeks of the season, we get to follow up a loss with more of a more of a down podcast, I'd say. This is not the OU podcast, you know, the Bedlam recap, and this isn't the Texas recap, but that TCU game, still we should have won, right? We still we still should have won? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should have won. <laughs> really. Um, it felt eerily similar to the Texas game, right? Where you're just like, we couldn't win this even if we tried because we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot every single time no matter what no matter what happened it was like nope too bad you're not gonna win today sorry tough yeah and i'll say this too i really wanted us to win of course and beat tcu and still have big 12 championship aspirations and possibilities but i will say after we lost, and then this week, of course, the OU versus West Virginia game gets canceled. Uh, West Virginia has a ton of positive COVID cases, so the game this weekend just got canceled as of today, Wednesday, December, or excuse me, Thursday, December 10th. But with saying that, I, I of course, wanted us to win. I want us to win badly. I want us to be at TCU. I want us to win the games we should win. And I think... Not even I think, I know one of the biggest things that you've said in the past that when Alexis joined us for a couple of the OC recaps, or really anyone has said about Mike Gundy and the and his you know job coaching the Oklahoma State football team is that year in, year out, we sadly lose to teams we shouldn't. Sometimes early on in the Gundy era, I know when I was like in high school, so before 20, uh, before you know the fall of 2012. We'd lose like a non-conference game to start the season. It'd be weird. You know, we'd lose like a random one at Troy or we'd lose, you know, some just really, really weird game. And then there were a couple, you know, in college of we lost like we lost Central Michigan. And granted, the way we lost that game, yes, but that game should have been close to begin with, you know, it's Central Michigan. And it was like the whole uh, it was like the whole Wisconsin thing. Like I was thinking about that today because I was I was thinking I was like man, we really shouldn't have lost that Central Michigan game. But then I was thinking about the Wisconsin versus Marquette game, and they're like, oh, well, the clock, well, the clock, well, the clock. Dude, box out. I, I, you know, like you're at home against Marquette as the number four team in the country. I I don't know. What, what more excuses do you want to be played here? And like you said, we should have just – it should – it it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been that close. Yeah, it it just shouldn't it just shouldn't be that close, right? There are upsets. There's, I mean, we, there's Appalachian State versus University of Michigan football, right? Right. There right. there's of course that upset that is oh my gosh whatever. And listen, that's why they play the games, you know. But every single year, it seems as though there are there is just not just the loss against OU or just the loss against. Texas or whoever it is, you know, maybe better us in the standings is what I'm saying here, right? 
Mm-hmm. I think instead we kind of flip it and we go, man, Gundy should win some of these games. Like the TCU game, we should have we should have beat TCU. Doesn't matter if we don't have our, you know, first and second string running back. It's just we we should have beat OU. You know, and and Desmond Jackson is clearly beyond serviceable, right? Like he's probably the best third stringer in the country that's gotten to play this year. Um, and I mean, he, even then, he still had 118 rushing yards on 29 carries and a touchdown. I'll take that. Well, and I'll say it this way too: I can't say that Texas Tech has a really great, you know, front seven. And, you know, TCU and TCU has a better front seven, I'd say, you know, in the back to back weeks. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. But then again, we take advantage of what's given to us, what's in front of us. Right. That's how you win football games anyways. Mm -hmm. So the large point I'm getting at here is that there are games we should win. There's, you know, every single year. That's why we play the games, et cetera. But we haven't had like a year in a while where I go, man, we won every single game we should have this year, you know? Um, like mm-hmm. when we lose to Baylor, I go, what in the world? And I, I'm, I'm almost positive we lost to Baylor last year, but we beat Texas, you know, last year, right? Or excuse me. No, we lost to Texas last year. Two years ago, we beat we Texas. Lost to Texas last year. Yeah. Two years ago, we beat Texas with Taylor Cornelius, those homecoming, those Austin Barry Sanders, Tropical jerseys, et cetera. But the larger point is, is that for, for anyone who's uh, a Mike Gundy stand, and I think I've withered away from that somewhat. You know, after the Bedlam game, I definitely do. After this TCU game, I don't think it changes my mind that much more. But every single year, I can say, ah, oh, dude, you know what? Ah, oh, dude, it's just just we don't have the right quarterback. Ah, oh, dude, it's just we don't have the, you know, everyone's injured on the offensive line. Or, you know, only 6 of 11 starters that started out the year are still playing in that TCU game, whatever it is. Right? But there's mm-hmm. there's always excuses. I now want to ask, like, what are the reasons to keep Gundy going forward, right? What are the reasons to keep him going forward that you can think of? If you're, you're playing so, that devil's advocate kind of thing. That, yeah. You know. So I think this year has been a little different compared to what we've seen from Gundy. I know we've talked about the play calling because um, it's just looked bad. I think, you know. I saw on Twitter and people were still complaining about it. I thought it looked a lot better um, these last two weeks. You thought it looked a lot better these last two weeks. My dad thought it looked a lot better these last two weeks. And your dad thought it looked a lot better these last two weeks. Um, That's a sample size of four of people who are pretty good at uh, detect that watch every game and are pretty good at detecting when there's just crappy play calls. Right. Um, So, but it's weird because I don't feel like the games that we've necessarily lost this year are kind of those like Gundy games. Um, it feels like it's just more of an execution thing. And whether that, you know, maybe that's behind the scenes stuff of like, maybe we're just not coaching well enough, but then there's a level of, well, Gundy's not playing. And I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not the biggest Mike Gundy fan, But I will also, I'm not going to blame somebody for something that they're not necessarily doing. So I think that is one of the reasons, I guess, a positive of why to keep Gundy gone, if that makes sense. It, you know, it just, coaches are going to leave no matter what. 
no matter what school you're at, people are going to get fired. You're going to get new coaches. I promise. In your lifetime, unless you're a Kansas State fan, you're going to have a new coach. Um, but, you know, we had the big talk the other day about uh, every school is technically a stepping stone. And if, you know, if the price is right enough, then every school can be a stepping stone. So I I guess the argument for keeping Gundy is, one, delaying the inevitable, and two, being afraid of change or not being afraid of what comes afterwards. Um, that's the largest advocacy that I will give to keeping Mike Gundy because I don't have much. <laughs> but if I'm playing devil's advocate, is it more comfortable to keep a coach where you know you'll win eight games a year or not? I guess that's probably right. That's probably the question to ask, isn't it? Yes, I I can only say I want us to win more games every single year, right? And whatever the best fit for that is. But I think right now it's just not with Gundy, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to say it. I think it's I think it's unfortunate right now because of his contract, because of how much money he's owed going forward. And I know during all this type of COVID stuff, he did take one year off, but I believe his buyout's just massive and all type of stuff too. Yeah. So the reasons why to get rid of Gundy is better at recruiting too. We also, you know, we've talked to each other and talked to various other people about do do we feel like we are getting better? And I think the answer is no. I don't feel like since probably that year we beat like TCU at home with like Mason and James and stuff like that, right? That was probably the last year of I felt like we were getting better. And there were still more to come, but I don't feel like we're getting better. I just don't. Yeah, I think that's the biggest bummer overall is that I want us to get better every single year. I really believe that, hey, Spencer Sanders, Texas, you know, Gatorade player of the year, all that type of stuff would mean a lot more. And listen, he's a redshirt sophomore quarterback for Oklahoma State. You know, I mean. What do you freaking do, right? Like, he's not a junior, senior, etc. But then we can also flip the script the other way and go, dude, you have the best wide receiver in the country, in my opinion, if he's able to get the ball 100% of the time. He probably won't win the Blitikoff just because one of the Bamba guys will win it yet again. Because they, I mean, they'll have far superior numbers by the end of the season. But mm. with that being said, you have Tylen Wallace. You have Chuba Hubbard, you know, coming back. And listen... To any any to any podcast listener, I think Hubbard has been injured for a little bit or a lot or some of the season. He hasn't really looked the same. But also, I think other defenses made the shift and they went, you know what? We'll let Sanders beat us. We'll let him beat us. If he can beat us, cool. And that basically has worked out for a lot of teams of, hey, if Sanders can beat us, he can beat us. You know, whatever it is. And, you know, Texas Tech, it almost worked out for them, to be honest. We only beat them by six at home. So, even though the game wasn't really that close, I will say that too. But 
But either way, the point I'm getting at is like we don't have that quarterback where I go, oh my gosh. Um, we've looked back at the recruiting some this week, and both of us have discussed it as well. We've, oh hey, Tylen Wallace, previous four-star wide receiver, Mason Rudolph, four-star. You know, a bunch of these other guys have been on the roster that make NFL names. Oh, four-star. You know, I forget exactly what Emmanuel Ogba was. James Washington was a two-star. Blake Jarwin wasn't rated. Um. You know, we, we can just keep going back and forth through the whole thing. But it seems as though we we get decent recruits, right? They're not, they're not bad recruits. Decent guys mm-hmm. that either we find that no one else is finding or, you know, we're able to develop them into just something really, just some really special talent. But there's also the, well, we don't have Spencer Rattler. You know, we don't have Brock Purdy back there at quarterback. We don't have... You know, whoever it is, right? Insert X name. And I've said before, I really am curious why Cornelius played for the season that he did, just because, hey, he's listening. He's a walk on quarterback. He was the fifth year. He definitely deserves a chance to play some college football for sure. He beat Texas. He was clearly a decent quarterback, except for the fact of, well, if Spencer Sanders needs more time to develop and you know, get in everything, then we'll maybe give him the chance to play some of those games instead, too, instead of just Cornelius, because that was the year, Cornelius started the year that Sanders redshirted, so mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things going on, and I don't know if I'm making too much of a point here, but the biggest one I can try to make is is that I, I'm i not afraid to see what a new head coach looks like under the Oklahoma State regime. I'm not I'm not afraid. I think I used to be afraid. I think before the Bedlam game this year, I was even pretty pretty afraid, cautious, and just more wanting to deal with what's what what the known is. You know, I I know how an Oklahoma State football team with Mike Gunny's head coach is going to do pretty much year after year, right? I get my hopes up every so often, like really big hopes, and you know, and then other years I can go, hey, dude. Hey, you know what? At the end of the year, at the end of the day, I know two things possible with Oklahoma State football team. I know that I'm gonna be able to call up my dad and go, "Hey, where's the bowl game at? Do we want to try to go?" And two, hey, that was a pretty darn good win against insert you know whatever X team, right? Because we we do have those wins every single year. You know, we didn't have it against Texas this year. We didn't have it against TCU this year. We didn't have it against OU this year. But that was a pretty darn good win against Texas Tech. It was a hard fought, you know, win. Yeah, tough game all the way to the end, right? It's a pretty darn good game against Iowa State and West Virginia, too. So, you know, I mean, we we beat the the co-conference champion um, or whatever we want to say. I mean, I guess the second-best team in the Big 12, if OU doesn't end up beating Iowa State, if that game's played, whatever happens for the Big 12 championship, we ended up beating Iowa State, you know? Granted, it was early on in the season, but Sanders was the starting quarterback for that, too. So, right. it's a tough one to swallow when I go, you know what, I'd rather deal with the unknown right now just because I do want something to change and mix up, whatever. But then again, if Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati head coach, isn't really thinking about coming to Oklahoma State, then I don't I don't know if I feel too great about any of the other head coaches that could be possibly rumored of coming to Oklahoma State, too. You know, unless there's some other names out there that I have no idea of. It just is... It just almost I'd rather deal with the known than the unknown, but at the same point, I'm not too afraid of dealing with something different now. You know, with that being said. Yeah, and I it, based 
off of the way that the OSU program looks right now, it just it just doesn't look like we're getting better. We're just in the same spot every single year. And I think there's some people that are fine with that. But I know I'm not. You know, as a fan, I'm not fine with that. It's like, look, okay, I'll do it. Right now, we are fourth in the Big 12. Last year, do, do you know what we finished in the Big 12? Third? Fourth? Fourth. Yeah. We finished in 2018, three and six in the Big 12, second to last. We finished third in the Big 12 in 2017, which I believe that was the year that we were supposed to be really good, right? Mm-hmm. Second in the Big 12 in 2016. Second in the Big 12 in 2015. Um, 2014, we were sixth. So, I think my point still stands, right? Like, I know we were second to last in 2018, and then we're fourth. If someone wants to call that an upgrade, then fine. But we went from three and six to five and four. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you have a winning record now. You want a you want a cookie? Um, but it's like, if you enjoy staying in that middle range, fine. But I think if you want to be if you want the respect, if you want to stop being called little brother, maybe you should upgrade your expectations. I'm all for that because we, we just got to beat OU every so often, you know? Um, I think on the last podcast, or maybe just during a conversation we had, talked about how that Matt Campbell's first year at Iowa State, he didn't make a bowl game, you know, mm-hmm. but every year since then, he's gotten a better and better record, and granted, this is one of the years where, of course, he doesn't have the best record in the Big 12 because we beat him, you know, Oklahoma State beat Matt Campbell, but then again, I, I will come back to the fact that the Big 12 has a lot of parity every single year, every team plays <laughs> each other, there's no way of getting around it, you know, we're not the Big 10, SEC, Pac-12. But all, all, all being said, I'd rather go, hey, you know what? In five years from now, maybe we are great, or maybe we're good, or maybe we're fantastic because we got a new guy in with a bunch of recruits or whatever. And, and I know we're, we're bound to, at some point, cycle through a new head coach, right? Let's just, there are so many great expectations for this season coming in. Uh, Dark Horse title contender, right? As Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse not really even Dark Horse, but Big 12 champion. You know, Big 12 co-champion, or whatever you want to say. You know, depending on how we split it with OU, basically, right? Now, OU had two, their best two players, I'd argue, after playing them in Bedlam. Is, uh, you know, two guys that, of course, lost to, um, you know, were lost to suspension in Ramondre uh, Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins. But I think, you know, they came back and first played Oklahoma State, and they played, came back the week before to play Texas Tech, and they were just lights out. Amazing. It's just that 
I, I really, really don't know where the expectations all went because we were just expecting this team to do so incredibly well. And it seems as though after that Texas game, it just kind of, oh, man. Now I'm really regretting, you know, my thoughts against the, about the OU game of like, oh, I think we'll win. And now even more so, it's like, dude, that TCU game was just in our hands. We should have won, you know. Spencer Sanders, in all seriousness, scores a game-winning touchdown. He's a game-winning touchdown run. He just stepped out of bounds. You know, sit down mm-hmm. to bounce. That would have put us up, I believe. So, I don't know. We don't have to go too much longer about football. I, You know, the Baylor games this weekend. We'll see how we do. Uh, it is actually a night game, which is odd. Because I think combined, you know, we have a total of eight wins on the season between us and Baylor. I think, you know, we have six and they have two or whatever it is. But... In the Baylor games, I don't think I don't think it's going to change my opinion of this OSU team too much. Either way, even if we do lose, which we shouldn't, of course, we should win. But with mm-hmm. that being said, and any thoughts on the Baylor game here? Um, we should win, but we've said that for what the past since Texas, I think. So remains to be seen. I'm just, I mean, it's pretty bizarre looking at our schedule, though. It's like all of with the exception of OU, all of our wins and losses of the last five, so after the Baylor game, and I guess if you want to count West Virginia too, um, have all been within seven points. So we beat Iowa State by three, lost to Texas by seven, beat Kansas State by two, then OU by whatever – um, Texas Tech by six, TCU by seven. Um, so, you know, people are like, well, you could have won the game. Well, we also could have lost. And I think we were a lot closer to losing than we were to winning. So, I mean, we win Kansas State because of a, what, uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown or a pick six or whatever. And then I think Texas Tech, same thing. Remember that whole bit I did about you can't rely on defensive touchdowns? I yes, sound like an yes. idiot now, don't I? Because that's all we're able to rely on. <laughs> yes, I, I I do remember that, but, but you're right. The defense has really just stepped up huge for this team this year. And I think that the optimism is still there with the defense you know, of keeping us in games, whatever it is, the OU game just gets off to such a horrible start. I don't even think that's necessarily on our defense, to be honest. I mean, we had one well, it, We had one player, Eamon Ogbongnomiga, who stripped TCU three separate times at least for fumbles, maybe even a fourth in the TCU game. And yet we still, still didn't win, which is unfortunate. It really- it really is just a shame that we can't back up our defense even a little bit more. And I think, you know, part comes down to play calling. A lot of it seems like it comes down to execution. In my opinion, um, take that as you will, but that is not my job to do that. So it, a lot of it looks like it comes down to how we are executing things. And... When you have more, well, what was it? it? Was it a 50% completion rate? Is that what it was against TCU? Mm-hmm. I believe. When you have a 50% completion rate, 
I, I don't know what more I need to say. So that's just not very good. That's not how you win football games, no matter no matter what. Um, unless your defense literally shuts them out. So, you know, I think I think our QBR has had a pretty bad average too. So yeah, and I will say this: uh, just as we talk about the Baylor game here for for one more moment before we move on to basketball. Baylor football's Twitter account tweeted out at basically um, it says three fifty eight, uh, so just about twenty minutes ago when recording this podcast it's on December tenth. And then their their words are from the vice president and director of athletics, Mark Rhodes, who says, quote, at this time in the and in the interest, excuse me, I'm going to repeat this. Mac Rhodes, quote, says, at this time and in the interest of our student athletes, coaches and staff, we have temporarily closed our football facility and taking all possible precautions. Our focus remains on playing the scheduled game with Oklahoma State at McLean Stadium on December 12th, end quote. Sorry, it's all in like white, but kind of on a yellow background with green. So that was just real tough for me. I don't know why, but either that, way, that sounds like they're not playing. Either way, I <laughs> that's what every single person on Twitter is guessing as well that they're not playing. Of course, I would love to see Oakland State play one more game of football, but only if it's safe. Yeah. Key asterisk to add on there: only if it's safe. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about basketball here for a little bit. So we've got Wichita State coming up this weekend on Saturday. Fingers crossed. No, nothing with COVID knocks that out, of course. But earlier on this week, we did play ORU, beat them, granted, not by a ton. And then um, what last week, since we've talked as well, we have played another game, right? Uh, I think it was on Saturday, I want to say, or yeah, earlier. Oakland. Yep, Oakland yes, University. That's right. That's right. The, uh, the university, that's five minutes from my house in Detroit. Anyways. They did not bring any of my stuff down for me. I did ask via Twitter. They did not respond. So, I shout out to Oakland University there. But the Oakland game and the ORU game had two things in common that un- that are just unfortunate for this basketball team, I believe, which is they hit so many three-pointers. Like, we went into half. I don't even know if we were winning at half in either game. I think we were by one or maybe down by one. It wasn't, it wasn't like they were blowing we were us out. By, we were winning by one last night. Okay. I remember that. Um, I can check the Oakland. So we were winning by one against Oakland as well. <laughs> so point being, these teams have hit an absurd amount of three-pointers against us. Do you give there any reason for that? Any ideas? Um, I mean, so Oakland shot 45%, 45.9% from three. They were 17 of 37. Um, and we shot 10 for 26, 38.5%. 38.5% is very good. I think if you told me that we, we shot that for the rest of the year, I think we'd be happy. Um, 45.9% is obviously better, but pretty like doesn't happen a whole lot. Now, if you like really want your mind blown, um, and then, ORU shot 48.5% from three and they made, let's see, 16 for 33 and we were four for 14 from three, um, 
we also took 19 more free throws than they did. So, yeah. Um, now, that ORU game was way too close for comfort, but I, I think there's a certain percentage of three-pointers that it can be attributed to defense, but then there's part of it, like, people just hitting dumb shots. Um, I think, what did I say? Oh, you, Xavier last night shot 59.4% from three against OU last night. That's not happening probably against OU again this year, right? Um, I can't imagine that someone is going to shoot 45.9% from three against us again this year because that's just absurd. That doesn't happen. And they were pretty close to 50% for pretty much the whole game until they started kind of throwing them up there. But how much of it do I think is defense? I don't know. I thought we were playing pretty solid on Oral Roberts and they were just hitting shots. And you just, that's how you win basketball games is you make shots. So, you know, that, that was a little tough, but. I, I mean, I'm content. I'm happy with our basketball team. Kate at 29. Um, Rondo Walker looked really good against Oral Roberts. Um, I think we could probably play a little bit better defense, but it was clear that when we went to we went to zone against Marquette, correct? And that kind of set us over the edge once we flipped our zone on because they couldn't shoot. But it was pretty clear that we weren't going to be able to, if we ran a zone against Oakland or Oral Roberts, they were going to shoot us out of the gym. So I think it's been pretty good to see Boyton kind of work through that and not really get down because it's like, you know, I'm sitting there as a fan, like, oh my gosh, we're, we're losing to Oral Roberts right now. Um, but, you know, if we, if we pull the game out, then I don't really care. Um so Oral Roberts actually played Wichita State. They lost by five at Wichita State in a game which they shot 41.9% from three and Wichita State shot 40.9% from three. Um, again, 41.9% is still very high. But then if you go look at the Missouri game, which they got smoked, they shot 20% from three. So if you need any indication of how their offense lives and dies, then there you go. They're basically the Houston Rockets is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they did a really good job of just beating us, you know, the way that I, I think one of the ways that a team can just beat anyone, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's the way you get some upsets is you shoot almost 50% from three point range, you know, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, they scored. Yeah. They scored eighty against Wichita State, eighty and seventy-eight against us. Yeah, yeah, they can put up some points for sure. That's that. That's easy to say. And I think us shooting thirty-eight percent in one of the two games is, is really, really good. I think we'll take that the whole season, except Absolutely. for the fact that, of course, you know, Cade Cunningham did score twenty-nine, and we still only beat him by five. You know, I think I think Cade did flip the switch a little bit on Tuesday night against ORU and just take over. You know, he did give that little bit. Hey, all right, all right, let's see what they got. And even ESPN's like 
notification that pushes to your phone because it's going, Cade Cunningham takes over against ORU through triple teams and step back threes, all type of stuff, whatever. I mean, I had to rewatch the highlights just because it was a ton of fun because, man, this team, this seems, this seems good. I am optimistic about the basketball team for sure, especially with the hope that Rondo Walker gets to start at some point during the season. I don't know how he'd fit into the lineup, to be honest, because, listen, Isaac Likely is a great, great player. Um, so is Cade. So clearly those guys are starting for sure. The Boone twins need to be on the floor no matter what. It seems just for literally size, you know, uh, Rondell's not mm-hmm. taking their spot. And the third spot's kind of, eh, I don't know, but dude, uh, flavors I, just keeps shooting the lights out of it too. So why would we take him off the floor? And, and Rondo Walker, cause he plays a lot of minutes down the stretch so does him starting really have that much weight? I don't think so because of how many minutes he plays when the game really matters, you know, because so, he kind of comes in and it's like we have this little spark off the bench where he's scoring. I mean, if he's scoring 10 to 16 points off the bench every game, I think we'd be pretty happy with that. Wait, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. That spark off the bench is something we've definitely needed in previous years, and he really does provide it, especially defensively, too. I mean, he's just diving on the floor after balls. Like, that's great. That's great defense and great effort and all type of stuff, too. To be honest, I'm, I'm just curious to see how we play against better and better opponents right now because, as you kind of forecasted, I'll say that, in the previous podcast we did about Oklahoma State basketball, we talked about how that Marquette, after the Marquette game, Marquette's next opponent was Wisconsin. And of course, Marquette beat Wisconsin, as you said earlier in the podcast. But that that's a, a good showing for us. Count. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, yeah, I wanna, it's definitely I a fluke. Recount. Yeah, you want to recount. recount. Okay. okay. <laughs> it, it's definitely a good showing for us, though, that the team that we beat beats the number four team in the country at their place, even though of course we didn't beat them directly. It still is a good showing for us, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know if my expectations for OSU could have been lower, higher basketball wise, but I mean, if, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year based off of like I I wouldn't say we look stellar against um, UT Arlington or Texas Southern like if I, I didn't necessarily think we were gonna win the Marquette game kind of like we did did you no not at all I didn't think we played that well down the stretch I think we went on a scoring run. You know, of sorts, too. I didn't think we'd do that good. And I, and I think that's a little bit of the difference that we have this year compared to years in the past, where it's like Cade can literally slow the game down offensively. And then, like, you have guys like Rondell Walker and Moncrief will get, like, put-back dunks, which matter for momentum and um, excitement and stuff like that. But it's... They just kind of turn it on, and I don't know if if we've seen that, you know. And and we start to move into Big Twelve play, um. So we go at Wichita State, then TCU at home on the sixteenth, so next Wednesday, and then they and then everything picks up. <laughs> 
Um, and then we go at Texas, at Texas Tech, West Virginia, at Kansas State, Kansas, OU, at West Virginia, <laughs> Baylor. And then it's just like, I mean, I don't know how good Kansas State is going to be this year, considering they lost to a Division II team. Um, I can't imagine that they are actually that bad. But, I mean, they're one and four. Jeez, I didn't realize they were. They lost to Drake, Colorado, UNLV, and Fort Hayes State. So maybe they are really bad. (laughs) I think it's definitely possible. I don't know if we've seen a Kansas State team this bad in a very long time. Um, so if there's any consolation, we should be better than Kansas State this year. Easily, and we might and, even be better than OU. And we might be better than OU. OU lost against uh, Xavier last night, but, I mean, as I said, they shot 60% from three, so I don't know how much put, weight to put on that. They scored 99 points. Um, and I don't think OU's bad by any stretch. I think, you know, those will be very good games when we play them as they usually are. So, yeah, I don't, but now I'm not going to say like, we're going to come out and like win the big 12 or something, but because Baylor, obviously, but if we ended up third or fourth, I wouldn't be shocked. Would you? Because I mean, OU, I don't know. Kansas looks terrible. Um, West Virginia is, we never know with them. Um, Texas, I think Texas is pretty good. But if we ended up fourth in the Big 12, I'm okay with that, right? Aren't you? Definitely. How I could the Big 12 is this year? The Big 12 is loaded, for sure, and with how good everyone is. And we know KU will hit their stride eventually, right? They'll get it together. They don't look great now, but they'll get it together. They'll figure it out, but especially by the time we play them in, you know, in January or whatever that is. Granted, it is December 10th, but still, you know, a couple weeks away from now, KU will be fine. You know, they'll be back to whatever, and they'll be playing Baylor super close or Texas super close or Tech super close, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't see us having any cupcakes this year, but by the same point, I think we'll be pretty good. I think we'll be able to stay in games. I am really curious about the TCU game, though, to start out with. You know, I know that's next week. Um, I know that's, you know, I think it's, you know, less than seven days away. I think it's next Wednesday. So, be curious to see how we do against them, how we look. I know it's at home. I know there's different crowds, all that type of stuff, whatever it is. But I, I think we could be better than OU and... Well, it should definitely be better than K-State. I'm trying to think who else in the Big 12. I just go, yeah, for sure. I, I would we say... should be better than TCU, probably. Yeah, should be better than TCU. But it's probably a better, better way to say it is let Baylor, Texas Tech, and KU. I don't know. I just don't know. Baylor, for sure. KU, always. And Tech seems pretty darn good. Texas seems pretty darn decent as well this year, too. I mean, they did what they won the other night in Sports Center. I forget exactly who they be. I should know that, but... Whatever it is. I'm really hopeful for this team. I, I think we've got a ton of optimism going forward, too. Yeah. Um, Texas beat Indiana by 22. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and then they beat UNC by two, but lost to Villanova by four. So, but they play Baylor um, Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. We'll see. We'll see how good Texas is because Baylor is uh, really, really good. Wow, really everything good. is just turning up to 11 here as we get in December, to be honest, as far as the amount of sports going on. we got NBA starting up on the 22nd, of course. We've got NFL playoffs starting before too long. We've got college football, bowl games and whatever. So that's kind of dwindling down a little bit, but still national championship, all type of stuff. I know you and I are going to be watching, um, you know, conference championships. We also got college basketball starting, to, you know, starting conference play. So, and, and you know, honestly, you did say West Virginia a little bit, too. And West Virginia, they're always tough every single year. So we could finish. I, we could split. I'm with them. scared of. I'm scared of West Virginia every year. So yeah, yeah. We'll I, we'll beat them at their place every playing. once in a while when we're not supposed to, and vice versa as yeah. well. I mean, they're 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 a pretty darn good team, and I think that playing in Gallagher Arena is hard for any team every single year, except for this one because of the no fans. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, there are so fans we'll, in the arena, but it's I think it's capped at twenty five percent capacity, so it's just not. So someone someone should do a case study on how many free throws Kansas gets this year versus how many they've gotten in the past in Allen Fieldhouse. Ooh, that'd be a good one for sure. That'd be a good one. I because uh, I bet the numbers are a lot smaller this year. You think so? I mean, any direct correlation? I think they get calls every single year, so I'm not saying that they won't. Yeah, but this is the first year without fans. So, and I know that they do play a factor in calls. That's true. So, That's true. I'll give, I'll give that to you. Yeah. But Kansas, Kansas hasn't looked great. Um, I know that they're still beating teams and maybe, maybe that's just us saying they don't look great for Kansas, which is probably the case because they could still come out and just win the Big 12 and no one would even blink an eye but uh, yeah I mean they haven't looked like the normal Kansas so that's true that's very very true well on that note Jake um, I think we're going end out the podcast here thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the CJ Tour podcast please follow at the CJ Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more Jake any final th- thoughts words of advice encouragement for anyone uh be safe yeah be, um, especially be safe. once you are you are starting to become around your families um yeah that's it all right cool couldn't have said it better myself so on that note thank you guys so much and we'll catch you again soon peace see ya